You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Khan Bayazit. Hello Black Eagles fans and Turkoholics joining us from Football Ala Turka. Thank you very much for listening to this episode featuring Beşiktaş's Europa League campaign. Beşiktaş were drawn in Group K of the UEFA Europa League coming out of Pot 1. From Pot 2 they got SC Braga, from Pot 3 they got Wolverhampton Wanderers and finally from Pot 4 they got Slovan Bratislava. Today we'll be taking a closer look at all of those teams but before we get to that please go over to the Football Ala Turka feed and go and check out our UEFA Europa League Group C and Group J previews featuring Trabzonspor and Başakşehir, here and also be on the lookout for our Champions League Group A preview which features Galatasaray that one comes out in the weekend on the 15th we will be releasing that at Galatasaray have a very tough group at Paris Saint-Germain at Real Madrid and Club Brugge from Belgium and we have of course expert analysts coming on to the show for those for the Başakşehir and Trabzonspor groups, we did the exact same thing. We had some really great guests on. I want to thank all of those people for coming on and giving us their time and expert analysis of the teams involved in those Europa League groups. But of course, for further details, please go over to the Football Ala Turca feed where you can find both of those episodes. Highly recommend listening to those. And of course, give Football Ala Turca a subscribe five-star review and do the same for the Black Eagles podcast if you came here from Football Ala Turka and you're maybe a Besiktas fan or you don't even have to be a Besiktas fan but just interested in Besiktas and want to hear a little bit more in-depth stuff every week on Besiktas give us a subscribe and drop us a five-star review it would be greatly appreciated and it helps us a long way if you want to support the Black Eagles podcast or Football Ala Turka you can head to www.patreon.com slash fault f-a-l-t and you can pledge your support on Patreon. Or, of course, like I said before, you can always support either podcast by just giving us reviews, sharing with your friends and family, and just spreading the word on both Football Alaturka and the Black Eagles podcast. Thank you all for listening to this episode, and we're going to head straight into it with Bruno Botaro covering Besiktas, because it would be a little bit ridiculous for me to interview myself. Besiktas were drawn in Group K of the Europa League and Besiktas were in Pot 1. And here to tell us a little bit more about Besiktas is Bruno Botaro of the Zon Italy. Uh, but Bruno, of course, loves Turkish football, has covered Turkish football for years. And uh, he as well uh, lived in Turkey for a brief while and worked for TRT World. Bruno, thank you uh, for joining us on the show. Thank you very much. And obviously I didn't want to interview myself because that would be a little bit weird. So that's why I invited Bruno on uh, to give us a neutral perspective on Besiktas, especially for uh, those of you listening who may support one of the other teams in the group, like Wolverhampton, Braga or uh, Slovan Bratislava. 
Bruno, let's start off with uh, Bishiktesh then uh, from pot one. Um, how did Bishiktesh manage to qualify for the Europa League? They did not have to play qualifiers, of course. How did they do last season in the Turkish League? Uh, it, it, just briefly tell us how they managed to qualify for the Europa League, please. Well, yeah, last season for Besiktas was a bit complicated because I believe they were the best team in the league. They were uh, strong, they were also uh, quite fun to watch, but the problem was they were at the end of the cycle and at, at the end of a kind of uh, experience with their coach, Shinal Gunesh, that was already uh, becoming uh, the coach of the national team. So uh, the club um, and the players were quite not performing uh, in the best uh, way. Why do I say also the club? Because it's uh, quite said and known that the players were not paid on time uh, for most of the time last season. And that may have been also a factor in the final run for the title that uh, saw Galatasaray win in the league and Basakshir second and Besiktas third. Not a great distance between those three clubs, but Besiktas paid the first part of the season that was quite poor. Uh, both in the league and in Europe. And then in the second part of the league, the club improved also thanks to Burak Ilmaz that was bought and uh, he brought a lot of, to the club, a lot of uh, goals especially. And uh, anyway, the first part of the season was really poor. And it's uh, this is why Besiktas didn't win the title probably. And this is why also um, they... Um, fell out of favor with the coach, Shenal Gunesh. Uh, now, uh, for Besiktas, uh, it's a new era because they have a new coach and uh, it looks like also the players are paid on time. So, uh, things are quite better. In that way, some uh, players were um, finally sold, like uh, Ricardo Quaresma, that was uh, quite uh, huge like weight because he was paid a lot of money. And uh, new players came in uh, to get some fresh air. Uh, the club, I think, successfully managed to get some alternatives to Quaresma and to, uh, that was also poorly performing last season. So um, there is some new blood that still needs to be taxed. And uh, new players like Nkudu, Boyd and Yabi in the wings, uh, they are bringing fresh air, I believe. And they're quite interesting to watch and it will be interesting to see if they will perform at like what the fans expect. In the middle field, I think that there is uh, Mohamed Eleni from Arsenal and uh, Abdullah Afji will have a lot to work on uh, because still Besiktas looks like a, a kind of open site. It's still a work in progress and there is stuff to do. Um, the team did not uh, impress anyone in the first match days. They are like they get got uh, four points out of three matches, and they lost uh, very badly in Sivas at the opening match day. But now uh, things are a little bit getting better, but a bit slowly because Besiktas uh, didn't win also against Rizespor, and so uh, I don't think. Uh, things will be bad for Besiktas during the season, but there were a few injuries that uh, got everything a little bit more complicated. So um, there is a lot to work on, that's sure. And also Abdullah, GS coach, proved to be very good for Besiktas starting from the second season. 
Now he's uh, putting all the foundations to the project, a project that needs time. But yeah. if she just will give him time, we'll have fun. And, and we see that already, I think, that I believe we spoke a couple of months ago on the show about, uh, well, not, not that long ago, actually, about Abdullah Afci. And you told me that his first step is going to be to improve the team defensively and build from the back. And we can see that, I think, especially in this last match against Rizespor, a very unfortunate 1-1 draw for Besiktas, but in the first half especially, Besiktas were very impressive in terms of their pressing game. They were uh, recovering the ball within 5.8 seconds in the first half. It was really impressive to see. Uh, but unfortunately, Besiktas have some issues up front. You mentioned Burak Yilmaz. He is injured right now, uh, but he will probably, hopefully, be fit for these Europa League group stage matches. But talk a little bit more about uh, how Besiktas transformed the team because they went from an older team as well uh, like Bashakshir, for example, like Galatasaray, who have a lot of 30-plus-year-old players. Besiktas have gone from a team that were, had almost all the starters were 30-plus years old, except for maybe two or so, like uh, Adem Laic, who was uh, also permanently retained. But now Besiktas have brought in a lot of new players, seven new players. All seven are really players I think they got for the first team, not necessarily to sit on the bench. I think they're all potential starters. And except for... Victor Ruiz, who they got from Villarreal, who's 30 years old. I think all of them are younger than 28. Most of them are in their mid-20s. How do you see those new pieces, like a Tyler Board, like a Nunkudu, like um, Rebocho, like a Douglas? Uh, how do you see those guys, and Elneny, of course, how do you see them fit in, and who are they replacing, and how do you expect Besiktas to play in the coming weeks as the Abdullah Efchi's tactics start to settle in? Yeah, it can look a little bit like late, but Victor Ruiz is the real replacement for Pepe, actually, because Pepe left uh, at the beginning of the last season because he wasn't paid and there were issues, financial issues for the club. So he was uh, released and uh, the club didn't find a true uh, replacement for him. At least it's also uh, Gary Medel that could have played in the defense, but um, also Gary Medel left to Bologna. So Victor Ruiz has a huge task and he will, be, he will need to be fundamental for the team. He and uh, Enzo Rocco that wasn't so impressive last season and he will need to step to the like, next level also. Because Enzo Rocco is a 27 uh, years old uh, Chilean defender and he will need to, uh, to improve also. Uh, Victor Ruiz is a bit more experienced so I can see Ruiz and Domagoy Vida starting as uh, as players in the starting 11 and Enzo Rocco as a backup for them. But um, also interesting to see uh, in the like uh, as left back and right back what's happening because uh, the two Turkish players that were there and are still there, Janel Erkin and Gökhan Gönül are getting more than 30 years old. So um, the management successfully brought in two new players Pedro Rebocho is a left back and Douglas as right back. Douglas from Barcelona, but he already has had an experience with uh, Turkish side Sivaspor. So um, uh, Pedro Rebocho from uh, Gimara, uh, from um, I believe Enavangangam in France, instead, and he's, uh, but he's Portuguese. So uh, it's like uh, two new players. Pedro Rebocho is born in 1995. And Douglas is born in 1990, so uh, it's a new blood, as I was saying before. 
and it's much needed for the team that those players will fit in the uh, uh, playing squads. Even though Abdullah G likes Caner Erkin because he coached him already many times in the Turkish national team young selections and then in the Turkish national team, I think his uh, aim will be to play Rebocho in a long term. Now he's starting a lot Caner Erkin more, but uh, if he wants to have like that defensive stability he lost in his teams, Abdullahji will need to uh, fit the new players as soon as possible. All the new players, including Mohamed El Neni, uh, that is also uh, replacing Medel partially, because uh, El Neni is the kind of defensive midfielder that is much needed for the uh, construction of the game and also is uh, younger, much younger than uh, Gary Medel. So, uh, he's born in 1992, uh, if I'm not wrong, and he will also bring a massive uh, amount of Egyptian fans that are really, really nice in social media and bringing uh, huge support to Besiktas. Besiktas were having that kind of effect with the Shinji Kagawa last season uh, with a lot of Japanese people interested in the club. Now it will be with Egyptian people interested in the club, but this is not bringing, like, of course, uh, uh, immediate results from a point of view uh, in a Europa League group stage because uh, this is a difficult group, I believe. Besiktas were pretty unlucky getting Wolverhampton that, is, that was probably the hardest pick in that um, uh, kind of pot because it yeah, was really pot three. Yeah, I think that was the worst yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a club that spent like 300 million euros in the last couple of years, so it's pretty pretty crazy if you think about it. But who would you point out, of course there's lots of new players now, but who do you point out if you had to pick one or two guys as the, the absolute key players for this team, who are going to be essential for Besiktas in the Europa League, in your opinion? Victor Ruiz will need to be uh, absolutely important in a short term perspective also. Because for Douglas and Rebocho probably uh, Lavdi will rely on General Arkin that is like the man he knows pretty well and so uh, it depends maybe for Rebocho we will wait a lot of time uh, at least until January I believe. But I see uh, victory is being uh, very very important and decisive uh, also in the first matches. El Nini I don't know because even though he has a massive experience of uh, Europa League football, uh, in the midfield, uh, as followers of Turkey football, we already saw uh, usually Durukantikas, Atiba Atchison also uh, many times. So uh, it's I don't know if Eleni will be decisive. The other very decisive player will be Adam Liaich, because he is uh, he has been decisive for Besiktas in the last matches. He has been decisive last season. So uh, he will need to play, I guess. It will be very surprising if Abdullah will field the second team also with Besiktas, not just with Besiktas. He would get a lot of critics for that. So I don't see him doing this kind of things he was doing for Besiktas, and this will maybe prove that there was a management decision. So I will see uh, also German Lance. I think he will play uh, in Europe. Even though uh, he has lots of other players in his role, like Abdullah Diaby, Tyler Boyd, and George Kudu, Besiktas will have a lot of new wingers, so uh, it will be quite interesting to see. It's quite a little bit of a mystery, 
because Abdullahji was uh, relying a lot on one player in Bashakshir, Edin Vicha, and uh, he was a key player for him. The wingers were key players at Bashakshir. So I think also Lens can be uh, that kind of experienced player with experience in Europe. He was quite important also last season for Besiktas, even though the uh, group stage didn't end well. He was able to score a few vital goals to keep Besiktas in the race. Against Sarpsborg, I think, where he turned the match around. Uh, yeah. He was fundamental, I believe, to keep Besiktas at least in the race until the final uh, very, very bad match against Malmo at home. That was quite a shame for the whole club. But as you already said, uh, Burak Ilmaz uh, needs to get back on the pitch as soon as possible because Besiktas has, has another player that is Guven Yelchen and also Umut Nair coming from Bursaspor. They're two young players but uh, they don't have the experience to start already as like they did but and also the Giovanni Alcin scored and had the chance to be important but it's not like having a target man and experienced one like Burak Ilmaz. Burak Ilmaz will be fundamental for the team and uh, he, Adam Ljajic and Victor Ruiz will need to be the core of the team. Another player that is the core of the team already and has experience is Domagoj Vida. If he and Victor Ruiz will find to uh, find the right, you know, uh, chemistry to give to be the um, the the real couple in the back, like uh, Vida was with Pepe in the European campaign of Besiktas, that was the best probably in the last years, the one of champ the Champions League they have. Um, and the one in which they won the group. So uh, they can uh, have a successful European stage and I think they can get through with also Wolverhampton that I see as the other team going through this group. If they don't get this chemistry, it's pr a pretty risky group because it's much more difficult than last season group for Besiktas. Last season was very easy as a mm -hmm. group well. and Besiktas didn't manage to go through because they, it was their fault. In my, that's my opinion, of course. Then also, uh, uh, they also had like uh, very worthy Belgian opponents. But yeah. Genk were, I think, better yeah. than Braga, or probably, and maybe not quality-wise, individual quality-wise, maybe not better than uh, Wolves. But I think with Wolves now, you know what you're gonna get, and I think they're gonna be the favorite. Maybe Besiktas were a little arrogant when they played Genk for the first time. I think they were really arrogant with yeah. everyone. Season. Yeah, that's if, the problem. Especially yeah. if you compare the first match at Vodafone Park, I think Bishitesh and Shinol Gunesh kind of expected I will beat these guys. But then in the second match, after they got beaten 1-4 to at home, uh, in Genk they played a lot better and they actually uh, were like 1-0 up until like the 89th minute. But then they got an equalizer and then they almost lost another time, so Genk were definitely a worthy opponent. And um, also, yeah, the problem was with Malmo, by the way, because they didn't value Malmo enough. Mm -hmm. They didn't play as they should have played. Yeah. And it was a very bad first half of the of the season. That yeah. was... Yeah. And with Braga and with Wolves, you have, of course, two clubs that I think they won't underestimate. Slovan Bratislava is another question. Will they underestimate Slovan Bratislava? We'll have to wait and see. But Bruno, quickly, please, your pick for the final standings in this group. I see Wolverhampton winning the group, Besiktas getting second, and Sporting Braga getting third, Slovan Bratislava getting fourth. But it's up to Besiktas. They will need to be to uh, get their current game a little bit better, or 
Otherwise, what's happening is Sporting Braga arriving second, and that would be massive, uh, massively bad for Turkish football. And uh, finally, do you have any fun travel trips for fans of maybe Braga Wolves? I'm sure the English fans will be traveling, uh, and maybe even uh, fans of uh, Bratislava. Do you have any fun tips for them if they're going to go to the Besiktas away game? What should they definitely go and do when they're in Istanbul? Well, probably it's not like super recommended to go to Besiktas Aurora with your jersey uh, on. Uh, usually, people are like super uh, friendly in Istanbul, but I don't recommend to go to Ortakay or Besiktas during uh, those couple of days. I would recommend to stay in Galata uh, in that kind of area because that's uh, a really fun and nice area, especially in the night drinking. You can have a lot of fun. I recommend a place that is called Balcon Restaurant and Bar that has one of the best views. And uh, they, they didn't pay me for this kind of uh, thing I'm saying. That's like uh, quite hidden as place, but uh, the seventh floor is like uh, one of the best rooftop experience you will have. It's not expensive. And that's one of the best places you can go uh, and experience the city. At the same time, I would recommend to go to a Turkish Meyhane. Mehane, it's like a tapas bar in Spain, and I know uh, English fans would love that kind of experience, especially, and uh, because they love it when they go to Spain. So why not loving the same experience that would cost you less than half of the same amount of money? So uh, also uh, visit the basic stuff like Hagia Sophia. Would always recommend that because it's one of the best places in the world for history and. Everything else, also, I don't know how much time would you spend for an away game, maybe just one, two days. So just see the basic stuff. If you're staying in Galata, don't miss the view from Galata Tower. And that's an area of Galatasaray fans mainly, usually, so you will get a very good treatment. If you go uh, also to Istiklal streets, you will get a lot of friendly people, friendly faces, because they will support you. Uh, in spite of, uh, you know, Turkish football and the way of uh, ranking points. Everyone will be very friendly with you because that's uh, how in Turkey it goes. Uh, the hospitality is massive, it's amazing. And Istanbul is one of the best cities in the world, probably the best city in the world in my opinion. So uh, let's go and enjoy it because it's a huge chance to do it. It's uh, something that you will remember for the rest of your life. So, uh, also Besiktas Stadium away is one of the best experiences you can have. It's pretty, pretty, um, you know, um, loud <laughs> when you go there. I was almost deaf going out of that stadium. So, uh, it's one of the must-go stadiums in the world. So, yeah, you have to go. Yeah, and when you're there, of course, go visit the club uh, his museum, which is at the stadium. You can get a tour from the stadium as well. Um, there's tours for uh, tourists. Uh, I don't know if they actually have English tours, so I... they don't have English tours. I can confirm, that's but unfortunate. they have. That's unfortunate, of course. Uh, but that's one of the best tours. Uh, it's of course the best tour in Turkey, and one of the best tours I had in the stadium because they also have a massive museum and in which there is like a VR experience, virtual reality uh, travel with a roller coaster in a stadium. That's something I never saw in other uh, football club museums. So 
yeah, that's uh, also a must go. And the Dolma Budget Palace, of course, straight across the Vodafone street, Park. Yeah. Uh, so must do. If you have the, the opportunity, please come to Besiktas. Bruno Bataro, thank you very much for your insights on Besiktas. And uh, please enjoy the rest of the episode. And from pot two is SC Braga from Portugal. Besiktas fans will, of course, be familiar with Braga as we met in the 2010-2011 Europa League campaign. And joining me live right now from Portugal is Luis Cristóvão, Portuguese football journalist and also commentator for 11 Sports and for the public radio in Portugal. Luis, thank you very much for joining us and giving us your insights on SC Braga. Thank you. I'm very happy to, to talk about uh, Braga and, of course, Besiktas, uh, because uh, these connections between Portuguese and Turkish football are so, so big and so intense that it's uh, always good and by some way expected to have some uh, matches between Portugal and Turkey uh, uh, every season. Yeah, it's, it's crazy if you think about it. I think Besiktas played uh, Benfica, then Porto, and then last year, um, no Portuguese opponents. So that was uh, very un unordinary for us. We're, we're used to playing to Portuguese against Portuguese opponents, and Besiktas have played against Sporting in recent years, of course, against Porto. And like I mentioned, uh, we've played Porto multiple times, Sporting then yes. three years ago, and then Braga. Uh, in the beginning of the decade, so um, so many Portuguese opponents for Besiktas, and not just for Besiktas, Galatasaray have played Benfica in recent history, of course. Um, so we're familiar with them. Oh, and of course, Fenerbahce have a, Fenerbahce a, have a trauma with, with Braga too <laughs> a couple of years ago with their uh, Ivan Bebek referee trauma they got there. Um, but I, I'm sure that will be remembered differently in Portugal. But believe me, that's a, that's a huge deal for Fenerbahce fans <laughs> to this date uh, because of that ref. Um, yeah, but we're here to talk about uh, Sporting Braga, and this is not the only team with a Portuguese connection, of course, because we have also Wolverhampton in this group, which have a massive yes. Portuguese it's connection. A, it's, it's almost a Portuguese team, too. Yeah, it really is. They have yeah. a, an absurd amount of Portuguese players, and then, of course, a Portuguese coach. Um, so this is going to be a very interesting group for Sporting Braga. Besiktas for... Yeah, the first time in a long time, not a huge Portuguese connection. Ricardo Quaresma, of course, just left the club uh, near the end of the deadline. Um, but Pedro Rebocho, former uh, Benfica youth player, is at the club right now. And I believe he's the only Portuguese player at the club at the moment. So you have, you, I think you have other players that played in Portugal, yeah. but they're not Portuguese, like Diaby, uh, mm -hmm. who played in Sporting, in, and uh, Tom Tyler Boyd. Yes, exactly. So we have a little bit of a Portuguese connection still, but not the most direct one like we used to have when we had Simão, uh, Fernandes, uh, of course, Quaresma, Almeida. There were b bigger Portuguese times for Besiktas. But let's talk about uh, Sporting Braga uh, for the time being. Um, how did Braga manage to qualify for the Europa League this season? How did they do domestically in the, the Portuguese Liga Nos last season? Well, they they are the the fourth Portuguese team. Uh, we, we, you, you can say that Benfica and uh, Porto are the the title contenders uh, every season, and I think they have. There's a gap between those two and the other the other teams. Uh, Sporting is usually the the third big team in Portugal. And Braga is trying to to get them. So Braga is by now a, a very strong fourth 
theme. Um, last season, they, they finished in fourth place, um, even if uh, their president and their former coach, uh, Abel Ferreira, who is now uh, at PAOK in, in Greece, they, in the start of the season, they, they talk a little bit about trying to be uh, champions, but in reality, it seems almost impossible. So they finished fourth, uh, seven points behind Sporting, and 15 points ahead of uh, Vitória Guimarães. So it's like when the season starts, if you say Braga will end in the fourth place, I think this is a very secure bet. Maybe they can try to challenge for third place, but it's not easy. And you almost have no chances of finding a team, a team that will get from fifth to fourth. So that's the way they, they qualified. Portugal um, have uh, the third place uh, and, the, and the cup uh, winner was the same. So Sporting grabbed the direct qualification for the, the groups. And Braga had to pass two rounds. They, uh, they met Bronby from Denmark uh, in, the, in the last qualifying round. Uh, it was, I wouldn't say, an easy, ga an easy game or an easy um, contender for them, but they, they made it uh, look easier. Because uh, in Denmark, in the first game, uh, they were losing 2-1 and they won 4-2 in the end of the match. So scoring four goals in, in Denmark uh, was more than enough to, to have a, a second match uh, that was very soft for, uh, for Braga. They won again. In the playoff, they met Spartak uh, Moscow. And uh, we were probably expecting a lot more difficulties for uh, for Braga um, because Spartak had more matches in the in the Russian league. Uh, Braga was starting the the season here in Portugal. They uh, won one nil in Braga in the in the first match, and then in the second match, uh, Sapinto, the the Braga coach, um, in the the league match between the two Spartak matches. Um, and, uh, he has he has um, changed all his team, so almost no players in the starting eleven between the Portuguese league match and the Spartak match. And in Moscow, Ricardo Huerta made a fantastic match, and they uh, won two 0 in in Russia. That was fantastic, and I think a bit unexpected. But at the same time, it showed how Braga can be a very strong team when they are focused focused on the European goals. So I think those two matches with Spartak might be the ones that uh, Besiktas fans and uh, technical team would like to pay more attention to try to understand how Braga might play uh, in the group phase. Yeah, and the, the coach Sapinto is, of course, a very fiery personality, um, very similar to uh, Porto coach uh, Sergio Conchechao, who has that 
very fiery temperament too. Uh, we saw Sapinto in, in Belgium here uh, at Standard Luck. Um, he was a very uh, a good coach, I would say, but controversial perhaps. Uh, did, yes. some, did some funny things. Um, but how can you uh, explain him as a coach in terms of tactical prowess? How does he have Braga play? And uh, what are Braga's main strengths and perhaps weaknesses that Besiktas and Wolverhampton and maybe Slovan Bratislava will have to look to exploit if they want to get points from Braga? Yes, you pointed uh, Sapinto's personality and, and and I think that is a big talking point about him because like uh, Sergio Conceição, the, the Porto, Porto uh, coach, they were both uh, players that had this kind of fire in them, you know, um, very intense players uh, and they uh, pass this... Uh, those qualities as players to coaches. I think Sapinto in this moment is much more calm than he was like five or six years ago when he when he worked here in Portugal. Um, I think it might it probably helped him to to have uh, experiences uh, outside uh, Portugal because in Greece and in Belgium he had to face, uh, I think he had to face the shock between his personality and uh, contest people that didn't know him. In Portugal, if you say Sapinto, everybody will remember uh, how he was like uh, as a player, and we all we are all ready to see the Sapinto uh, screaming and uh, running in in the bench. But um, he learned, I think he's much more mature now. And uh, at Braga, he has a, a big opportunity of, uh, of showing him, of showing his qualities as coach. And uh, he has a big opportunity to get results, to get uh, a cup win or something like that, that will uh, make him uh, a better coach and a more... Uh, respectable coach. Braga last season uh, was already a, a very strong team, um, but I think it lacked uh, a bit of uh, of that ability to to risk. You understand this? Uh, the things that Braga showed against Bromby and Spartak Moscow, I think this could only happen with Sapinto. Uh, approach for of those games, because he's really he's really making uh, Braga a more aggressive team. They are uh, an aggressive team defending, uh, a team that's uh, like to to press very high, uh, and will try uh, during long periods long periods of the match. Will try to to press uh, the player with uh, with the ball, and uh, they're a very dangerous team. When they uh, work in the in transition mode, so uh, there's one player that uh, wasn't in in the in the group last season, Andre Orta, that is uh, decisive for this uh, this approach. I think he's uh, a very important player, probably the Braga star. He played in Benfica. He played in Braga. After that, he has he had a small period playing in the United States, in LAFC, 
that didn't go very well to him. So this season he's back to Braga and he's immediately showing how good he is and how influent he is. He and his brother, Ricardo Horta, are the two main players in, in Braga. Uh, André Horta playing more like a number 10, uh, attacking midfielder, but with lots of, uh, of freedom to check uh, for, uh, for spaces. You can find him uh, near the defensive line in the first phase of construction, trying to get the ball and to to um, go with the ball in the, in the in the field, you can find him in the area, almost like a, like a striker. Uh, Ricardo Huerta is more of a winger, but both Braga wingers will always be uh, very keen to search spaces in the in the central area. So uh, Braga. In the paper, in paper, you can say they will play the, their attacking mode uh, uh, with a 4-3-3 and in defensive mode in 4-4-2. But they really are a, a very dynamic team. They really are a team that is hard to to defend because they are very very intense. And uh, and I think that you'll see in in Braga some of these qualities of Sapinto and at the same time some of the qualities you usually find in uh, Portuguese players the Orta brothers are very talented players uh, and they, they really I'm not saying Braga isn't a, a big team or a very good team but they really have ability to play in bigger teams in bigger leagues um, so their strengths, I would say that's their talent and their speed and Andre Horta as a, as a big star. Uh, in the defensive line, they have Bruno Viana, he's a, a Brazilian uh, defender that is also a very interesting player and will uh, function as a, a leader in, in the team. As for their weaknesses, I think in these moments, Braga is lacking, lacking a, a real striker, a, a real goal scorer. They have two main options: uh, Asan, the Egypt, Egyptian player, that I think his characteristics are the ones that uh, Sapinto is looking for, like a goal scorer, a player that likes to be in the area, trying to uh, uh, play like responding for all the, the, the play that uh, the wingers and the, the attacking midfields creates, but he's not good enough. And then you have Paulinho, that is a, an excellent player, but he's not a goal scorer. He's more like a second uh, forward that will uh, try to uh, enter the dynamics of the team, but not really a number nine. So... I think they're they're lacking lacking here a, a striker, and also in the midfield, they're I think they're lacking two uh, really defensive midfielder that can uh, give some quality to their game. So they have uh, Palinha, 
that uh, is is uh, on loan for uh, for Sporting. Is a very good defensive midfielder, but he lacks some qualities when having the ball. And the other option is uh, Claudemir, uh, Brazilian, that is a little bit better with the ball, but not so good as a defensive player. So there, I think, there might be some space for uh, Besiktas to to try to explore some some errors. And uh, also, we'll have to see if Braga will will really make his bets on European competitions because uh, in port for a Portuguese team to play Thursdays and then Sunday or uh, uh, Monday night it's hard and uh, this will probably make Sapinto try to do a lot of changes in the East starting 11 uh, in some matches and it will depend a little bit if Braga is playing uh, a team from the uh, a not very a not so good team in the Portuguese league. Maybe he'll make those changes in Sunday. But if Praga is playing Benfica or Porto or Sporting or Vitória Guimarães, they have they'll have to keep their best players to that game, and maybe they Sapinto will make some changes during the, the Europa League uh, match. But I think this is the kind of problem that you'll find in every team. You have to be a bit luck, <laughs> lucky to, to um, play with the, your opponents the day they are not so focused. So I think that is probably one of the most emo uh, emotional things about uh, Europa, Le Europa League is that you you will never you are never sure if the stronger team is really stronger in that day. Uh, so we'll see with uh, Sapinto uh, what will be his choices for uh, for this group. Yeah, and it's like you rightfully pointed out. I think it's a question for. The, the big three clubs in this in this group mainly how focused will they be on the Europa League and even for Slovan Bratislava maybe they will prioritize another league title over uh, the Europa League group stages they already achieved their goal of getting to those group stages Besiktas and Wolverhampton um, yeah they may also be putting more focus on their domestic competition it all depends a little bit Wolverhampton may aim for a Champions League ticket next season that'll obviously be very difficult in the Premier League but they have a very talented team so maybe that's their goal and maybe they'll take the Europa League a little less serious or maybe they underestimate Braga or Besiktas I doubt that they would underestimate Braga given their Portuguese connection but yes. yeah, it's going to be very interesting. This was a very tough draw, I think, um, with with arguably the toughest team coming out of Pottery, which is a recurring team in this episode. But it's just the truth. I think this is the club that most teams would have wanted to avoid because Wolverhampton, obviously a team with uh, fantastic talent, very good coach. It's going to be tough to see and to predict who are, who's going to end on top, who's going to end bottom is maybe a little bit easier with all due respect for Slovan Bratislava, although they can surprise uh, someone. But I'm going to ask you anyway to give us your 
predictions for the final standings in this group and in general how you feel that Braga will uh, handle this group? Well, um, I think looking at the context of um, the four teams in their national leagues, I would say that uh, Wolverhampton is the the stronger team in the in the group because they they cannot have a much higher uh, goal in Premier League than last season when they finished seventh. Um, it's very hard to to be uh, stronger than than that. And if they manage to win some good points during those next weeks. And they are they have no problems in the table if they are mid table in in Premier League they can focus focus on Europa League with with no problem they have very good players they have uh, a coach that knows very well Portuguese football he has also uh, experiences um, both as a head coach and as assistant coach with uh, Jesualdo Ferreira, uh, also in Greece. So he'll be very familiarized too with uh, Besiktas. I think that he'll have no problem to understand how the, the team plays. And uh, I would say that Wolverhampton might be a, a team that, uh, that really wants to, to get their main goal in Europa League. Um, saying that, I would see, I will, would see Besiktas and Braga fighting for the second place. But for both of them, it's very important what's happening in uh, in their national uh, competitions. So their choices and their options in the in Europa League will be uh, very influenced by what happens in the National League. If Besiktas or Braga have some problems and they, uh, they're they not in the place they usually want to be, Besiktas fighting for a uh, championship and uh, Braga in the fourth place, they might have some pressure to forget the Europa League dates. You have to win in, in, the, in the league. And, uh, and that might be a problem. Uh, Slovan Bratislava, I think, is the kind of teams uh, that uh, every year you see one of these teams getting uh, big results in group phases. I understand that playing Wolverhampton, Braga and Besiktas is very, very hard uh, for the, the Slovaks, but I don't see them re really having a big problem in their league because we might say that even if they lose four or five points uh, until December, they will be there will be no no big problems to get back to the first place after that uh, after uh, February. So uh, Sloven will probably be playing with their best teams uh, every every. Group uh, phase matches, and uh, they they would not they will not be the easiest of the teams to face. They will not be the team that is just happy to be here. All the other teams have to pay attention, 
and in the end it might be those two or three points you uh, lose to Sloven that would make the difference if you get one of the first uh, places, first or second place, or if you uh, stay out of Europe in December. And then finally, uh, Luis, please, uh, do you have any good tips for fans who decide to make the trip to Portugal to go and check out uh, the way match against Braga, Wolverhampton, Besiktas or, or uh, Bratislava fans? Obviously, the stadium in itself is something to behold. Uh, with the stadium being built in a, in, a, in, a, in a stone quarry. It's one of the most uh, impressive stadiums in Europe. Uh, but is there anything else that you can, uh, you know, so, a, a tip you can give to the fans who are traveling? Yeah, so you'll be playing in Braga in November. So one thing you have to understand is that it will be cold in, in the Braga stadium. It's, uh, it's a very beautiful stadium. But every people, Braga fans and all the fans that visit Braga uh, will tell you that it's very cold, uh, especially in winter. Um, in November, you have to be prepared for, uh, for that. Uh, Braga, the city of Braga, is in the region of Minho, uh, probably one of the, the prettiest regions in, in Portugal, um, with a lot of uh, interests in uh, uh, small villages and uh, <clears throat> the nat natural aspect of the, the region. If you like nature, uh, if you like to see uh, green fields, uh, you have to, to go one or two days uh, sooner and try to know the, the region. It's a very good region to eat and to drink, so you'll find uh, very good places to to have this Minho experience. At the same time, if uh, you are more of a city guy, you can stay in Porto. It's not uh, far from Braga, and Porto is really a very historical and touristic uh, city too that you might know from uh, other uh, visits uh, to Portugal. But uh, you can really stay in Porto for one or two days and get to know the, the city center. And then Braga in the, in the match day will be enough to know the city and to visit the, the stadium. That is uh, really a very good place to take pictures because it's a, it's a very uh, pretty stadium. Thank you, Luis Cristoval of Eleven Sports uh, for your insights on SC Braga. And we will be continuing our Group K preview with Wolverhampton coming up next. And from pot 3 in Group K came the club that probably everyone wanted to avoid from pot 3, Wolverhampton Wanderers, or rather Wolves. And here to inform us a little bit more about Wolves is Alex Dicken from Birmingham Live. He's a reporter on Wolves. Alex, thank you for joining us on the show. No problem. So Alex, how did Wolves manage to qualify for the Europa League group stages first? Tell us a little bit about their campaign in Premier League last season and then how they managed to get to the qualifiers this season. So they were obviously promoted in the 2017-18 season from the Championship to the Premier League. Uh, it was Nuno's first season in charge, ran away with the Championship. Um, everyone kind of obviously was hoping they'd just 
survive in the Premier League, but given the players they had already, Neves, Diogo Jota, and they added some brilliant players last summer in Jao Moutinho, Rui Patricio, players that have you know, graced grander stages in the Europa League. Um, there was a slight expectation that, I think, I spoke to Raul Jimenez at the end of the season, he was one of the players who joined, and he was saying um, from about October onwards they realised they were much more than a team that was going to be fighting relegation. Um, so eventually they finished seventh. Uh, it was a bit bit dramatic because they obviously played in the FA Cup, FA Cup semi-final, lost to Watford uh, when they really should have won. They were two up with 11 minutes to go and lost 3-2 after extra time. Uh, Watford played the FA Cup final against Man City and ended up losing. So that led, ended up with Wolves qualifying for the, uh, the the Europa League as as virtually finishing seventh. Um, and they obviously had to go through the qualifying campaign, which everyone in this country always kind of you know looks at and thinks oh that's going to be a really really tough ask and their Premier League form will you know dip as a result so far that I mean they have struggled in the Premier League start with three draws in four games not the end of the world I mean they've played some difficult games but uh, in the Europa League qualifiers been fantastic they've completely blown away Crusaders 6-1 over two legs again um, you know a non-league well not a non-league a half and half they've got half part-time players and half full-time players uh, Crusaders did themselves just, but Wolves were obviously too strong. Um, FC Punic, the Armenian side, is a bit of a jaunt for us all to get there, but um, Wolves blew them away 4-0 both legs. And then they found an, a really kind of top-class opponent in the playoff round, which obviously we expected uh, in Torino. Serie A side who finished 7th in their league last year, 7th against 7th. Um, it was a really, really kind of closely fought encounter over two legs. Um, the first game in Torino, Wolves went 2-0 up and then pretty much gave Torino a route back into the game at 2-1, grabbed another Raul Jimenez, who has been absolutely magnificent in the Europa League so far, six goals, six games, um, taking his form into last season, into this season, been fantastic. Um, and then we thought it was all over, they gave a, gave a sloppy penalty away uh, right at the death, Bellotti scores it and that's 3-2. Wolves still massive favourites going into the second leg but um, Torino obviously had a chance and Thankfully, Wolves got the job done at Molyneux 2-1 um, and going into the draw last week, we were obviously hoping for a, a draw that we could we could look at and think Wolves could get through and I think we've, we've landed that. Um, two difficult opponents in that group, we think, in Braille and Besiktas, but um, you would expect, looking at the squads of the four teams and Slav and Breslava as well, um, that Wolves and probably Besiktas will come through it. Yeah, and you already made mention of a couple of those big names uh, like Raul Jimenez, who we of course all know from his time at Benfica, the Mexican international. But there's a lot of Portuguese players. There's a Portuguese coach and obviously Jorge Mendes is involved in the club one way or another. And you already alluded to uh, João Moutinho earlier, who of course we all know from his time for the Portuguese national team, his time at Monaco, uh, FC Porto, I believe. Uh, fantastic footballer. But... Which other players would you highlight that maybe people aren't super familiar yet, who aren't like the biggest Premier League fans, for example, and, and don't follow uh, the, the Portuguese league, for example? Are there some players you could say, well, these guys you'll have to watch out for? Yeah, um, this season so far, I mean, it's kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, Adama Traore, you probably heard of him, a Spanish winger, uh, came through the ranks at Barcelona in La Masia. Uh, stayed there till he was 19, joined Aston Villa, another local team here. Didn't do so well in the Premier League in his first season there, then left and went to Middlesbrough. 
Um, struggled in his first season, was okay, and then he completely ripped the championship up in his second season. Uh, Nuno, uh, they played Middlesbrough, who he played for, played Wolves uh, in the 2017-18 season of the championship towards the end. And um, although Wolves won the game, he absolutely ripped them apart. And Nuno fell in love with him and um, signed him uh, the following summer, 18 million. It was a record transfer before it was broken for Jimenez uh, early this year. And Adama didn't play much in his first season, he didn't start many games. Uh, mainly left to play cup games and um, Nuno couldn't really find a role for him in his, in his 3-5-2 system because obviously Adama's a natural winger and Wolves don't really play with wingers. Um, but over the summer they worked together on the training ground Nuno's kind of reinvented him as a wing-back, a right wing-back um, and he's been absolutely phenomenal so far this season. He's already got four assists this season. I think, I think he'd probably make that a five with his assists for uh, Roman Sais although it was with a bit of a kind of goal-mouth scramble against Everton at the weekend. Um, so he's already got more assists this season than you imagine the entire last campaign. Uh, he's just absolutely breathtaking to watch. So fast, probably the fastest player in football. So skillful, so strong. Um, and he's really kind of, in addition to all those physical qualities he's got, he's like getting his head up and finding some fantastic crosses now as well. And uh, all strikers are absolutely loving it. He's feeding them every opportunity. It's brilliant to watch. Um, you know, on his days and stuff. Uh, so he's the player I'd, I'd think Besiktas fans and fans in this Europa League group are going to you know, watch and think, wow, um, and be surprised by him. Uh, there are a lot of other good players too. Obviously, you've mentioned, mentioned a lot of them. Um, for me, a real star in the making is Diogo Jota. Uh, he didn't play much in Portugal with Porto, uh, been at Atletico Madrid before. Um, Fantastic to watch over the last 12 months since Nuno's moved him into a more central role as a striker rather than playing off the left. Uh, he scored goals, scored 10 goals in the second half last season, scored a couple already this season and uh, looks a, a real kind of fantastic player now. And There is a, a feeling at Wolves that Jota's going to be the first to, uh, to move on of these young Portuguese players, uh, probably ahead of Neves at the moment. Um, a really, really top-class player, and he'll definitely go on to grace. You know, the top, top uh, clubs in European football, with, for sure. And you mentioned him uh, quite a few times, Rory Nuno Espirito Santo, the coach, of course, of uh, Wolverhampton. What type of football does he have his team play? So it's, it's an interesting one because you know you speak to people in Portugal about him, and they kind of think it's an, an attacking style of football. I suppose it is, but. First and foremost, it's very kind of defensive. They keep a lot of clean sheets. Um, that back three is essentially a back five the majority of the game. But when they when they attack, they really go for it and they spring. Um, they're an absolutely fantastic counter-attacking team. Uh, built up, built to counter-attack with the wing backs. Um, it's an interesting one because Nuno played three four three for the first eighteen months he was here. And he wouldn't move away from that, but they had a couple of bad results. They lost five and six uh, in winter last year, and then he shifted it to a to a three-five-two. Moved Jota inside alongside Jimenez, uh, and put an extra man in midfield in the Amadeu Donka, the Belgian international, um, and that allowed Ruben Neves to kind of spark, find space in his quarterback role where he can just pick passes um, without players kind of opposition players being around him to stop him. And um, Wolves have been brilliant since then. Um, I've never seen a team of such football intelligent players. They're so kind of switched on in everything they do defensively and attacking. Um, you know, they can play against the top teams in this country, Chelsea, Man United, Man City. 
Liverpool and sit there for, you know, 60 minutes of the 90 without the ball and just defend and kind of move across the back line and close space. It's absolutely fantastic to watch and you, you know, I've just not, I've not seen a team like it so well drilled in everything they do defensively. But when they get the ball, they are devastating. They break so quickly um, and everyone knows their jobs. And they've got some fantastic players in midfield. Neves Martino who can, you know, find the passes, the long balls that, that, um, that you know, absolutely tear apart opposition defences. And they've been, particularly in the big games in this country against the, you know, the, the, the teams I've just mentioned, absolutely fantastic. And they've, they've taken them apart. I think there was a stat going around in the last season that, you know, in the in the top seven league against each other, Wolves finished third. So that that tells you how strong they are and how how kind of how 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 easily they adapt to the big games. And obviously in the Europa League, they are going to be big games every week. And you just highlighted quite a few of Wolves' strengths. But are there any weaknesses that jump out to you? Stuff that they still need to improve on? Where do you think that, for example, Braga, Besiktas, or uh, Slovan Bratislava will have to look for their opportunities against Wolves? Um, so far this season, it wasn't particularly a weakness last season. So far this season, uh, the majority of the goals Wolves have conceded have come down the wings. Um, they obviously do play with wing backs. Adama has been the first choice right wing back for the majority of this season. Uh, and Johnny as left wing back, but Ruben Vagra is obviously coming from time to time. Matt Doherty's struggling, was was first choice right wing back last season, but he's struggling with a, a bit of a knee problem um, and hasn't played as much. He's not entirely fit yet and probably for the time being, Adama's going to be first choice. And Adama's not the strongest defensively, we've seen that. Uh, he's fantastic going forward, but he's not, a, he's not a natural right back, doesn't particularly defend well. Um, and teams have had a lot of joy uh, down that side against him. I think one of the one of the goals in the first leg against Torino came down that side. The goal in the second leg came down that side. Everton scored one of their goals down that side with a cross uh, recently in a, in a defeat for Wolves. Um, so that's probably an area down the down the flanks. Um, Adama doesn't defend that well. And when Ruben Managra plays, he's not great defensively. Either. So really, if those two are in at any given time in the Europa League, then that's probably an opportunity to get at them down the flanks. And then finally, your expectations for the group. How do you think uh, the group will shape up? Who will finish top? Who will finish bottom? And so on. I can't claim to have seen much of any of the teams, to be honest. Um, having looked at the squads and you know their respective league forms, I think... Slava and Bratislava will finish bottom. I'd expect. I think they lost to a to a DAC Strada recently, five two, and that's a team that will send some of their uh, kids to effectively on loan. Um, so I'd imagine they'll uh, they'll finish bottom of the group. I'd be surprised they didn't. Um, so obviously it's important for the other teams to get maximum points against them. Uh, looking at the other two teams, I think Besiktas. Are probably a bigger threat to Wolves than Braga. Um, with the players, Wolves have got the Portuguese players, they're going to know how Braga play as well. Um, and obviously, a lot of their players are not expecting to go there and win. Um, Braga aren't massive, you know, a big hitter in the Portuguese league. Wolves are probably have a tougher time against a Sporting or a Porto or a Benfica. Um, so, I'd expect Braga to finish third. Um, and then it's obviously Wolves and Besiktas battling out for. For first and second, um, that game 
in Besiktas, which is Wolves' first away game in early October. Um, that's going to be huge, I think, in deciding how the kind of group pans out. And then, of course, they finish uh, the final game of the group is Wolves at home to Besiktas. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be between those two teams, how Wolves handle the hostile atmosphere in Istanbul um, and how Besiktas obviously handle it at Molyneux. But I think with the players Wolves have got, compared to these teams, you know, the money they've spent, the wage bill they've got, um, I definitely think they should be winning the group. Um, but you never know, Besiktas are a very good team, as are, as are Braga, and any of the three could probably go through. And finally, for uh, those fans of Besiktas Braga or even Slovan Bratislava deciding to make the trip to England, uh, to Wolverhampton, any trips for those people? Something that they have to do in the area? I don't know, uh, I'm not familiar with the area, but is there anything they have to do when they're there? Nothing um, they probably have to do. <laughs> um, um, it's not really a tourist capital of the world around here, to be fair. It's quite obviously quite modest and um, the people are very proud of it. The black country's famous for things like leather and um, it's chips. That's one thing I would say if you've got any, <laughs> any, fans, any fans coming over that like chips. The chips here are different to anywhere else in the world. They're battered, they're golden chips. Uh, so I definitely recommend they have some of the chips. A pint of Bathams as well. Uh, the local beer will always go down well. So um, I definitely get in the pubs and I definitely have some chips because you won't experience any chips like it. Uh, they're fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Alex Dickin of the of Birmingham Live for uh, his insights on Wolverhampton Wanderers. And please continue to listen to the final part of the episode where we will discuss Slovan Bratislava. And from uh, pot four, we have Slovan Bratislava of uh, Slovakia, of course. And joining me right now is Moimir Stashko of uh, Dinik Sport, Daily Sport in Slovakia. Moimir, thank you very much for joining us. Hello, thank you. So we'll be talking about Slovan Bratislava. Uh, for starters, let's start immediately with uh, how did they actually manage to qualify for the Europa League this season? How did they do in the domestic competition last season in Slovakia? Yes, Slovan was a last champion of Slovakia, which was a very important fact for this club. This is the biggest club in Slovakia and Slovan was founded in 1919. Does it mean that in this year it was it was celebrated a centenary of founding? This is a first thing. Second thing is that Slovan won in 1969 uh, former Cup of Winner Cups. I don't know if you remember this European competition. Yeah, the Cup Winner Cups. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a pretty big but, deal back then. Yeah, and, and, and Slovan, uh, in, with perfect team, defeated in Basel, FC Barcelona. And it was it was uh, 50 years ago. Doesn't mean that uh, one, one moment was centenary, second moment was uh, anniversary of Great Triumph. And third things was that uh, was construct new stadium, and it was open in this year, stadium Tehanepole, or national stadium with capacity 22,000 spectators. Does it mean that the Slovan did maximum to won a Slovakian league? In, in first uh, qualification round, uh, Slovan played against. Uh, champion of Montenegro, Sutjeska Nikšić, 
and uh, it finished with with great uh, disappointments because in the first match uh, Slovan uh, lead one nil, but is additional time uh, Sutieska equalized with shot from 25 or 23 three meters. Uh, and uh, second match in Nikšić in Montenegro, Slovan lead one nil and played slowly, quickly, calmly, but in additional time, again, uh, Sutieska equalized and on penalty shutout, Slovan defeated. It was a, a great disappointment uh, for, for owners, for, for fans, for, for uh, players. And after it was sacked uh, coach Martin Ševela, who was a successful coach in, in Slovakian conditions because he won twice a, a double with A.S. Trenčin. And to Slovan he, he, he came like a young, a progressive coach. But uh, team in, in these two, two matches, because Sutjenska Nikšić uh, had, uh, had won, won uh, non-conformity football. Uh, Slovan played slowly, Slovan played play very, very, very bad. And this was, was uh, no satisfaction to, to fans. After, after his second was installed a, a provisory coach, Jan Kozak, uh, junior because he is a son of uh, former coach of Slovak national team, Jan Kozak senior. And uh, fans can, can remember Jan Kozak like, like a member of Slovak national team in World Cup in South Africa. He was a playmaker of Art Media Bratislava, which was a very great surprise in season 05-06 in Champions League when Art Media defeated Celtic Glasgow 5-0, when eliminated Partizan Beograd and when played in one group of Champions League with FC Porto, with uh, Glasgow Rangers and uh, with Internazionale Milan and sensationally won in Porto. And Jan Kozak was a playmaker of this team. His, his, he, he was his, his general, his, his uh, brain. Uh, in, in, in present time was Jan Kozak uh, uh, retired player and he was a coach of uh, reserve team of Slovan Bratislava. He did a great chance. Uh, in second uh, in second uh, round of European League uh, played Slovan with him against uh, champions of Kosovo. Kosova, uh, Feronikeli. He won in, in both matches, no with, no with great performances, but he won. In uh, next round, he played F against the champion of Ireland, football club Dundalk, and uh, it was a very great fight in Bratislava, Slovan won 1-0, but played uh, very perfectly and offensively uh, football in Ireland and in second match won 3-2-1. Next, he qualified to, to playoff round of European League, but uh, against Slovan uh, play Pauk Thessaloniki, of course, champion of Greece and, and uh, great favorite of these both matches. Uh, 
in Bratislava in first match uh, it was a, a, a normal tactical football. Slovan play with one attacking player and if very very great and uh, uh, maximally personal is at uh, midfield of, of, of uh, playground and uh, was uh, was scored nil nil when in 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 last attack of Slovan uh, a central defender Aventi Miena scored to to one nil for for Greek team it was a, a, a very shock but you know when he played a, a second match in, in Toba, uh, Greece players uh, thought that that uh, that Pau qualified to to group phase, but uh, Slovan uh, scores uh, lucky goals. Uh, goalkeeper Greif was traditionally perfect, and Pau Thessaloniki won 3-2. Does it mean that that Slovan Bratislava was qualified to to European? League to group phase. It's about about qualification. And that's a it's a huge win, not to be underestimated. Pauk were very narrowly eliminated by Ajax in the Champions League qualifiers, yeah. and they were very unlucky uh, that there wasn't VAR actually. Uh, I think it, with VAR, Pauk could have actually been in the Champions League group stages, um, and then to go out, of course, against Slovan Bratislava. That's not a small feat for Slovan to knock out the unbeaten champions of Greece last season. We mustn't forget that they won both the cup and the league in Greece last season, didn't lose a single match. So a really yeah. big accomplishment from Slovan Bratislava, meaning yeah. they should not be underestimated in this group, even though the other three teams in the group are clearly favorites for those top two spots. But Slovan Bratislava could provide a surprise, as Moimir just uh, pointed out very uh, accurately. I, I, I watched both matches of Pauk against Ajax and I think that against Ajax Pauk uh, played uh, more more better like against Slovan. I don't know if if uh, was a moment moment some 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 opinion that we are a bigger favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, underestimation but, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but that's the danger with the, the these types of teams uh, when you go into these matches as as a bigger, well, not a bigger club. Because obviously, Slovan Bratislava are a big club, like you like you pointed out. They have a hundred year history, won the cup, winners' cup, have a huge history as a club. But obviously, in today's uh, modern football in the scene, if you look at clubs like Wolverhampton, who have uh, a market value of of 300 million, more than 300 million, and obviously those kind of clubs will expect to beat Slovan Bratislava, but they shouldn't take it for granted, because then you can end up with a nasty surprise like Pauk, and uh, like Pauk ended up being the unbeaten champions of Greece, yet not in Europe this season because they got knocked out in the qualifiers. So Moimir, thank you very much for that, but can you point uh, us out a couple of key players for Slovan Bratislava, that the the, the, the teams uh, that Braga, Besiktas, and Wolverhampton will need to be careful for because they could hurt them per potentially. In my opinion, Slovan were no chance to qualify to group phase without a young goalkeeper Dominic Greif. In my opinion, it is a it was a key uh, person of uh, of uh, success in. Uh, qualifiers rounds he has uh, 22 years but uh, he he has a ability of experiences uh, goalkeeper 
in in my opinion he is he is like a goalkeeper from from south countries in in style of goalkeeping he is like spanish or like portugal goalkeeper in summer uh, portugal fc porto had a great interesting about him but slovan didn't didn't uh, settle him uh, he is he is, he is uh, very talented youngster and I think that he will have a great future in some interesting club. Next person is from other side, from Atec, and uh, it is a uh, Slovenian attacker, Andras Sporer. He is uh, a member of Slovenian national team. He came to Slovan Bratislava from uh, Switzerland uh, football club Basel, but uh, with poor form. Uh, and this poor form was was uh, uh, seen in his first year in Slovakia, but uh, in second year in Slovan Bratislava he scored, 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 and scored. And with 29 goals, he was a best best goal scorer of Slovakian top league. But two was uh, it, it was a, a record in a number of goals because only two players in history of Slovakian league scored 29 goals. Robert Semenik 15 years ago and now Andras Pora. Uh, interesting for Turkish fans is that uh, Trabzonspor won by, uh, by him in summer and uh, we had information that Trabzonspor uh, had a possibility to pay two and half million euros for him, but Slovan don't accept it. It player said that he won't stay in uh, Slovan Bratislava and he won't play in in Slovan. In uh, defending line is uh, uh, central defender Valery Božikov, in many matches captain of Slovan. He is stability uh, stability uh, member of Bulgaria national team. Now is uh, a new player, Menti Abena uh, from Nederland. Uh, I spoke him about about like a, a goal scorer of important goal against Pauk in hometown. Uh, very interesting players are in uh, in midfield. David Holman, uh, national team of Hungary. Now interesting for for Slovakian fans because we played against Hungary in qualifiers to Europe. Uh, Nono. Is former player of Betis Sevilla, two in midfield. Ibrahim Rabiu, uh, national team of Nigeria. Uh, Rafael Ratao, Brazilian midfield, who was coming from Ukrainian Zoria Luhansk to Slovan Bratislava. Uh, interesting player is Joeri Descamps from Netherlands. He is player who is living and playing in Slovakia five years and now some people think about him like a possibility member of Slovak national team because you know he played uh, five years here he is living in Bratislava and it's it's, it's a possibilities uh, with with UEFA and and FIFA conditions uh, Moha is very technical players from Morocco he played on left wing sometimes very individual Sometimes it's problem, sometimes it's a great thing, but generally this is, this is a team. This is a team which is 
from from many foreign players. Sometimes Slovakian fans has problem that in this Slovakian team aren't Slovak players. But now when Slovan is in a group phase, it's no problem. And of course, uh, for Besiktas fans, they will remember Filip Hološko, who played for Slovan Bratislava yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, I believe he's in uh, in the Czech league now, but uh, he played two seasons for Slovan Bratislava too. So uh, that's uh, that's something that jumped out to me uh, when uh, watching, following his career in recent years, that he uh, played there for two seasons. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit about your expectations of... Uh, well, before we do that, actually, let's talk a little bit about the strengths and weaknesses that you see this team have. Uh, what are their biggest weapons going into this group stage? How do you expect uh, Slovan Bratislava maybe to take some points? Uh, will are they? Do they have a strong home reputation? Um, are they good on the counter? Stuff like that. And then where do you think that uh, Wolves, Besiktas and Braga will... Uh, have the best chances of exploiting Slovan Bratislava's weaknesses. The draw of uh, this group was very talk, and uh, generally Slovan is in uh, other position like next three clubs, because uh, target of Slovan Bratislava was a group phase. Doesn't mean that that uh, Slovan is on the point of target. Yeah, uh, Braga. Besiktas and Wolverhampton have uh, some other ideas and they won't qualify to to next rounds. Slovan don't think about this idea. I think that uh, a main target Slovan in uh, qualifier in, in this group will be take more points, but uh, Slovan will be satisfied with four points, five points, six points. I think that generally in this club nobody think about about ne next next rounds. I think that this group is very talk to Slovan in conditions of uh, style of play, because uh, Portug uh, Portugal Braga is a dangerous with uh, its style of play. Wolverhampton, when you see to uh, roster of this team, it's no English team. It's a team from south with many Portugal players. And I think that best opponent opponent to take a points will be Turkish Besiktas with Steel of Pride for, for Slam Bratislava. Yes, yes, of course. In games against uh, these uh, all three clubs will be Slovan in position of underdogs. Yeah, but it, it is uh, a very great advantage because because Slovan has a quality time quality team with with uh, individual uh, with uh, perfect individualities uh, i i talk about about Greif, i talk about about Sporar, i talk about Bojiko. it's it's a they, they are members of national teams similar like uh, like uh, players of Besiktas so uh, which are uh, members of Turkish national team or, or some other national teams. Uh, does it mean that Slovan had a chance? You know, and, and I see that he is in some uh, psychical advantage because uh, nobody think about about some, some great targets. 
I don't know if you understand. I understand you perfectly. They they don't they are satisfied. They have already reached their target by getting yeah. to the Europa League group stages, and now they have the advantage of being the underdog, hope, hoping maybe that there will be some underestimation from the opponents, and they have the psychological advantage from that uh, aspect. So uh, that, I think you got your point across perfectly there. So let's finish with our last football-related question. What are your expectations for the group? Who do you think will end in first place, second place, third place, and fourth place? And how do you think uh, Slovan Bratislava will fare overall in the group, regardless of the position they will end in? The last season was a very great surprise in uh, English Premier League Wolverhampton Wanderers. And I think that it can be a black horse of this group because they had a very good coach, very good team with João Moutinho and ATC. Sporting Braga won against power Spartak Moscow. It's is a great signal to to other participants of this of this group. Besiktas, you know, it's a it's a, it's a great club. Slovan finish on the fourth position. I have an idea about about some some better position because I think that in reality Slovan won won take uh, from two to five five points. I think that uh, Besiktas will be in hard position in this group because because style of play of Braga and Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, it's very 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 difficult in. My eyes uh, can be can be one from two qualifiers to next round uh, Braga. I know this team. I know now style style of play, and I think that uh, about about second place. I don't want say about second position. Will fight uh, Besiktas and Wolverhampton. But I don't know. It, it, it's about, it, it will be about fighting, it will be about battle, three teams to qualify the play, uh, places. Yeah, and also, of course, how much they want to go through. Wolverhampton may prioritize the, le the league, Besiktas may prioritize the league. Braga is generally a club that, you know, they don't really have a, a real opportunity for the title. I'm not saying Wolves do either, but they may want to get their Champions League spot for next season. So it's all going to end up depending on how serious each club will take this battle uh, just a quick statistic which is very interesting I think Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, came out of Paltry it's probably the club that everyone wanted to avoid to avoid though because like I alluded to earlier their total net value according to transfermark.com which obviously should be taken with a pinch of salt but their total market value is 307 million and 750,000 euros that's more than all three of the other teams in the group combined. Besiktas are at only 84.45 million. Obviously, they had a lot of uh, star players leave older star players and they got a lot of longer players. So their market value dropped. And then Braga are on 101.75 million. And then Slovan Bratislava at 11.7 million. Now, uh, obviously, again, take it with a pinch of salt. But for example, Besiktas's most valuable player, Adam Lajic, is worth 12 million. That's more than Slovan Bratislava's squad on paper. Uh, Braga's most valuable player, um, Ricardo Horta, is worth 9 million. And then, of course, uh, for, um, 
for Wolves. Ruben Neves is worth a, worth a whopping 45 million, which is more than half of, of the value of Besiktas' team, for example. So this is a really tricky group. I think three teams that are going to want to vie for those top two spots, but with a very dangerous underdog in Slovan Bratislava that have already upset Pauk uh, Thessaloniki, who are arguably of a similar level than uh, Braga or Besiktas. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely not a, a match that should be taken for granted. Moimir, thank you very much for your insights on the team. But finally, do you have any tips for fans of Besiktas Braga or Wolves that decide to make the trip to uh, Slovakia, to Bratislava? Is there anything they should do when they're in town? Maybe something uh, that you can recommend of a local dish or something or uh, any sites that they need to go seeing if they're there for an extra day or so? For beginning, uh, now Slovan Bratislava has uh, one problem. He is in uh, disciplinary process in UEFA because when he played against uh, Kosovian champion Feronikeli, some uh, ultras group uh, had a transparent with a political slogans against uh, Kosovo and on the on the side of uh, of Serbian tradition of Kosovo, you know. And uh, Slovan paid a fine in 50,000 euro, but now we listen about rumors that uh, a first match in group will be close. It will be without without spectators. Uh, now we are now on the on the official base because it's a possibility of a, a dist uh, disciplinary platform to a, a, and a ban for a one match. But uh, interesting was that in uh, official Twitter, Twitter uh, of Wolverhampton Wanderers was uh, information about two matches. First match in uh, Bratislava play Besiktas Istanbul. And I think that it will be match without fans of Besiktas, without fans of Slovan Bratislava. We, we uh, have awaited for, for information from, from UEFA, but uh, I think for a 99% that uh, ban will be for a first match. I hope that it will be now for a second match. That is a key information. And was about visiting fans. Uh, Bratislava is a very nice city with uh, uh, no no long no no big uh, old center old city. It's very interesting <coughs> with with squares with with uh, little streets. Uh, it's a, it's a typical typical Central European uh, town from medieval medieval times. Uh, I think that uh, who will coming to Bratislava, he will be will be satisfied. Uh, in, as, uh, of course, in in Slovakia is for for fans from from England, from Portugal, from France, from from Germany, everything cheap, yeah, cheap cheap beer, cheap cheap meals, cheap uh, cheap cheap accommodations. I, I think that that Bratislava is very very uh, good good place to 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 visiting to to touristic near is Vienna 
some some 50 kilometers near is Budapest doesn't mean when you when you have a time free or for days you can you can visit some some other interesting places we have a very interesting place in in West Slovakia castles and 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 ATC I think I think that it will be it will be nice trip for for all fans but with one key informations that first match match will be closed for fans unfortunately well let's hope the away fans are allowed but that might be possible indeed that they aren't allowed either i believe that the uh, trabzonspor fans weren't allowed against sparta prague for example and i don't think they were allowed in greece either against aika uh, athens uh, when those two teams also had bans for their home matches but for those of you uh, Wolverhampton fans and for those of you from Braga cheap beer cheap accommodations and a beautiful medieval style uh, city from uh, from typical uh, center uh, Europe uh, yeah who doesn't want to go and do that so d- definitely go and uh, book a trip to Bratislava to watch the away game that sounds like a lot of fun Moimir I want to thank you very much for your insights on the club uh, Slovan Bratislava and of course on uh, your for your travel tips but this is the end of our episode previewing UEFA Europa League's Group K featuring Besiktas, Sporting Braga, Wolverhampton Wanderers and as you just heard Slovan Bratislava I want to thank all our expert analysts who came onto the show today please check the show notes where you can find their Twitter handles you can give them a follow it's a great way of showing your support for the podcast by showing our guests your appreciation. Go tell them how much you like this episode or the previous episodes of Football Arturka featuring Traps and Spore and Bashakshir's group or our upcoming episode that will feature Galtzrai's Champions League group. So if you want to support Football Ala Turka or you want to support the Black Eagles podcast, head over to www.patreon.com slash fault, F-A-L-T is how it's spelled. So just abbreviation of Football Ala Turka. Or you want to support us in a non-financial way as perfectly possible too, just drop us a five-star review on iTunes. And you know what? The most important thing you can do, the best way you can help us is not by going on to Patreon. That, that's, that's great. It helps too. But the best way is just by helping us grow and that's by spreading the word, retweeting whenever we release a new episode. On either Football Ala Turka or on the Black Eagles podcast, just spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. If you're in school, you have some Turkish friends who are interested in Turkish football or just friends in general interested in Turkish football. Tell them about Football Ala Turka. If you know any Besiktas fans, Tell them about Besiktas. If you're going into the Turkish barber this week or next week or the week after, tell them, hey, have you heard this this new thing? It's all it's amazing. Football a la Turka, the Black Eagles podcast. Tell everyone, spread the word. And you know what? If you have family back home in Turkey, for example, young cousins, you know, nieces, uh, nephews, whatever, who are trying to learn English, Football a la Turka is a great way the Black Eagles podcast is a great way to learn English. The best way, the way I learned English, is just by watching television back in the day, because here in Belgium, back in the day, television wasn't done. A great way to learn English is just by listening to it, not constantly, but listening to it and, and f- watching movies that aren't dubbed, but also listening to podcasts like this, and especially with a familiar topic like Turkish football, it's a great way for people in Turkey to improve their own English. So even if you're not a huge fan of what we have to say about football, 
you know what, maybe people can just learn some uh, some new English. So anyway, that's a little bit off topic, but it's a great way. And like I said, that's the best way you can support the podcasts is by just spreading the word and helping us grow, which will increase our opportunities to do episodes like these with very good expert analysts on the show more often. And uh, what else do you want but great content? Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Black Eagles podcast. And don't forget to check out our earlier episodes on Football a la Turca as well. And of course, our Transfer Extravaganza episode that dropped this past Saturday, which features expert analysis of our latest four transfers, Victor Ruiz, Mohamed El Nene, George Kevin Nkudu, and finally, Abdullah Diaby who I think many Besiktas fans were a little worried about. Is he a striker? Is he a winger? All of that gets answered in our previous episode of the Black Eagles podcast. Thank you for listening and see you again soon. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.